Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good. Still limping around with my yeah. nagging groin injury. Yeah. I've, anytime I hear a groin injury now for a hockey player. Mm-hmm. I know what they mean. <laughs> it sucks. Anyway. Yeah, they call them anyway. nagging groin injuries. Uh, that, that's been a term for for 50 years. Oh. Yeah. Well, I probably anyway. call them Karen nowadays. But. <laughs> <laughs> Got a Karen. <laughs> Baby Bruce. Uh, how are you doing, man? Uh, well, never in doubt. Never that in was doubt. one a very tense and exciting hockey game. Yeah, the orders are playing well, right though. To the, right to the 3,600th second of the game. It wasn't done. Indeed. Indeed it was. Yeah, the Wild have some good players. Boldy good and Kaprizov. And, uh, the grade-A shots, though, in the game, give me one second, were not that close. Uh, in terms of grade-A shots, it was 20 to 10. But in terms of five alarm shots which is a subset of grade A shots. They go in 33% of the time, the five alarmers, the grade A's go in 25%. It was just seven to six for the Oilers. Mm-hmm. And all three wild goals came on, I think, on five alarm shots. And they nearly got, they had two five <laughs> alarm shots in the final two minutes. Yep. And the Oilers were just lucky that neither of them went in. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm just seeing your comment here on Ekholm on that final that final goal. I, I like whether we, you know, we assign blame on the play, but you know, he was tripped at center ice. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So I, I'm with you. I don't know. I couldn't believe I didn't call that. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That was, you know, he's hustling to get back in the play after mm-hmm. being tripped up. Usually if a player is tripped up, we give them a pass because that's on the official, not the player. And the crafty Jared Spurgeon. I mean, he's not exactly Ekholm's man on that play that crept in off the point. Hand yeah, one from center slot with one second left. That was yeah. uh, he's one of my favorite players, Jared Spurgeon, and uh, he's a fantastic I was player. glad he didn't score, but I was not surprised to see him in the middle of the action. Yeah, Bruce, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast because well, they're all going to be huge wins this year, aren't they? Uh, it was a huge win, though. We'll go with two good things each. What's your first good thing? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to single out Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who had an outstanding game tonight, uh, lighting up the score sheet with four assists uh, to lead the way, at least points-wise, on a night that the Oilers got multi-point games from uh, from many of their big guns. Uh, but the Nuge was in, was in the middle of it with uh, uh, set, <coughs> setting up uh, uh, Evan Bouchard's uh, a uh, goal from the point, a primary assist, uh, making the pass to Connor McDavid that then he turned into kind of a, what the British soccer go- announcers call a wonder goal and uh, uh, made a beautiful cross-seam pass to uh, Dreisaitl for the 3-3 and then uh, was involved uh, uh, on the game winner again on the power play. So two even strengths. Assists, two uh, power play assists, uh, four points, uh, four shots on net. And I thought he was uh, good on the penalty kill. And I just thought he had a had a good all-around game. Not perfect, but very, very 
accomplished, skilled game. We're seeing the good news this last while. Yeah, you know, um, I was talking about the Nuge with my buddy Brian earlier today, and Nuge is not someone who drives the play, mm-hmm. but is he ever a fantastic glue player mm-hmm. on with great players? And this is a really kind of unique skill because to be a glue player with great players, you've really got to have high skill level. Like Esa Tikkanen, uh comes to mind is this kind of player. And it's just someone, the play, he just keeps the play going. He doesn't need the puck on his stick, but when he gets it, he makes a great pass. And did he ever make uh, some fine passes tonight? And um, that line, that top line is just killing it. Um, too bad the dry saddle line is struggling so much. But um, that, you know, uh, I think I heard, if I'm not mistaken, I heard um, one of the commentators, I can't, I think it's Bob Stoffer, but I can't say say for sure that Nuge might be moved off the McDavid line and Kane might be moved up. Or was that said during the game, perhaps? Because um, I think they, they're looking at a way to get dry settle going mm-hmm. and at even strength. And Nuge is, he, he can help with that. But is he ever strong with McDavid right now? I mean, remember all those years, Bruce, where mm-hmm. trade Nugent Hopkins, trade Nugent Hopkins. And many people, such as you and I, uh, I, I believe, like I know for sure I was saying it. I suspect, I think you were too. We were saying, before <laughs> before you trade Ryan Nugent Hopkins, could you please try him on the wing? Could you see how he'd do on the wing first? Would that be okay? Mm-hmm. And since then, I mean, he was on the wing when Leon Dreisaitl won the MVP. Um, he's on the wing now on the top line. He's a pretty good winger and, um, glad they kept him, glad they didn't trade him as some people were pushing for. He's a good special teams player too. He's the one guy of, of all the five regulars on the power play. He's the only one that, uh, that has a regular, uh, spot on the penalty kill. And generally he's on the first unit. Him and Derek Ryan are the ones that start the, uh, the PK. And uh, they're, you know, one of, like, now we've got three established sets. They've got uh, uh, Janmark and Brown. And then they've got Fogel and McLeod as the third pair. And that's how they run through them. Unless, of course, one of those guys is, happens to be serving the penalty. Was there just the two penalties or was there three? There was three. Okay. Yeah, new job. The, the, the PK was outstanding tonight. Um, Bruce, my the last good one thing, was uh, 20 minutes of the third period, so it didn't uh, I see. impact I the game. Ekholm got cross-checking and Hartman got cross-checking at the I see. end of the game. Would that have been so, a power play? Um, wouldn't have so, been anyway. Bruce, my good thing will be uh, Evan Bouchard. Mm-hmm. And so two goals, one assist, just an excellent game. And his oh. skating... His skating and his puck handling have never been better. They have never been better. He, uh, and and I do think, you know, it's hard to ascribe coaching sometimes to what's going on with the players. We just don't know. This is generally behind the scenes. But we know he's just, he's be, now being coached by one of the greatest puck handling defensemen and skating defensemen in NHL history. The second best one after Bobby or Paul Coffey. And, um, Maybe Kale McCarr is going to enter that conversation with those big three, big two. Um, but Bouchard is just, he's just showing a level of skating and confidence with the pocket puck handling that I have never seen. And it, man, has it ever transformed 
his game and this team just to a certain extent. In terms of one of the big differences between now and the start of the year, this is it. He's just calm and cool with the puck. He's not a perfect player. We will get to that. But man, can he ever pass and fire that puck? Two uh, absolutely brilliant goals. Great um, shots. Yeah, just just as his first one, he puts it upstairs, drives it upstairs uh, through two wild players. I think it might have deflected off of one of them. And the second one, they described it on air as a 97 miles an hour <laughs> slap shot. Dreisaitl set him up and um, just an absolutely for me. just an absolutely fantastic play. Now, that, that was the winning goal, the, uh, mm-hmm. the second, the 97 mile an hour. And it came Bruce after a very interesting play, um, which is kind of, it's not one of our good things or bad things, but I think we should talk about it now. This is Evander Kane's hit on Jonas Brodin, and it was probably the turning point of the game because it was an absolutely ferocious hit. And if Evander Kane had been given a five-minute penalty, I would not have complained i think it was i think that was probably a five minute penalty the brody never he didn't he didn't come back did he he did not come back no he He did not come back at the 29 second mark of the third period and never played another shift yeah would you what did you think was that a penalty in your view bruce (sighs) yeah i think they missed it i mean certainly minnesota has every reason to be upset that uh uh, Evanson came out of that sequence with the power play and much worse for them, scored the game winning goal on it. And, you know, one goal loss like that. They'll be sour about that. And I would imagine there'll be comments afterwards. Uh, you see, I think you see hits like that where the guy gets taken into the, into the boards, but, uh, and he a little bit turned into it, but it definitely was boarding. Like I, I'm very surprised it wasn't two minutes, two minutes. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, five would have been. You know, you could see the guy went down and went off. And so I think you'll probably be seeing a fine to the maximum level of the CBA or something more. Or he might even get a game for that. But, uh, you know, it was a, a game-turning a play. <clears throat> and uh, this is one game, I think, where the Oilers, I mean, the refs, were, they, they had a tough game. That was a vicious uh, Game. And it was yeah. a vicious game, and they didn't really have a good handle on it. But I think the Oilers got the got the benefit of the refs. You know, I'm I'm be the first one to gripe about it when they don't. Uh, but tonight was one of those games where you know a couple of calls really went their way, and that one in particular where Hartman retaliated on Kane, and and Kane did well to just take the the shot and not respond. Because you know the ref would have even that up in a heartbeat if Kane had done anything. But at the end, the Oilers got the power play and they scored the, you know, the last goal of the game to break a three-three tie on it. So a huge break for Edmonton. And to me, I mean, maybe it's a play where you can say, well, Kane boarded the guy, he gets a penalty, and then Hartman gets a retaliatory penalty, and sometimes you see that. And it's two each, but for for Minnesota to come out of that shorthanded was pretty harsh for them. <laughs> yeah, I think two minutes probably. Like I, I said, I wouldn't have complained if it had been five. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have liked it, but right. two minutes. We've seen that same hit get two yes. minutes regularly. Yes, just regular. It's just like bang, two minutes, two minutes, Typically. two minutes. 
Sometimes five. Not always. Not always. I mean, this ref, there was one yeah, time tonight where the ref was standing behind the net, looking over the net to see what was going on. And a guy came in, he just socked Warren Fogel right in the jaw. And it was uh, Middleton, wasn't it? The big uh, greasy defenseman, yeah. Jake Middleton. And he just punched Fogel, and he kind of, I think he kind of dinged his helmet off the crossbar like he was right in, Fogel was right in there. And uh, he came back, and he was pretty sour when he got got up, and he gave the ref a nice, uh, right, just said, eat of this. And he just stopped about three inches short of the ref's jaw when he sort of gave, said, this is what he did to me. And I was kind of surprised <laughs> the ref did not respond. Like, I, I'll give the ref credit for, I mean, Fogel was just demonstrating and not threatening in any way but uh it was a very unusual looking argument but on the other hand middleton socked him in the jaw and got away with it and there was a lot of stuff few few drops of blood got spilled in this game and uh, these two teams <clears throat> did not appear to like one another at all no uh, and i we all we all <laughs> well we all hate the wild in edmonton jake middleton played 22 minutes that game so he's stepped up uh, yeah, he, he's Jared Spurgeon. Now. Jared Spurgeon, twenty-eight. If Brodeen is is hurt and yeah. out for a while, boy, the Wild will be really mad because he's a mm-hmm. key key player in the prime of his uh, career, mm-hmm. key defender for this team. So, yeah, I hope he's okay. Even though I hate the Minnesota Wild. All right, okay, Bruce. What's your second good thing, Bruce? Yeah, I'm going to go with the three-three uh, goal. Also scored on the power play uh, late in the second period in Edmonton. This was a game where the Oilers absolutely dominated the first and only led by one. And then they had some defensive issues in the second, which you're going to talk about in a minute. But they fell behind three-two, and it was one of those that the game gets to the second intermission and they're behind. And then Minnesota has only given up seven goals in five games under the new coach plays, you know, lockdown, kitty bar the door in the third period. So Edmonton needed their power play, and, and it came through for him twice in a row. Uh, but I'm going to single out the 3-3 three, three goal as being a particularly beautiful, uh, I thought, sequence. Uh, it started by, you know, winning possession, getting the puck back to Bouchard, and he hammered a shot that broke the stick of... Joel Erickson Eck, and it took him a few seconds to realize it, but then he sort of had, nope, my stick's compromised, and he dropped it. And what I loved was the patience that the Oilers showed to get the one shot that they that they wanted, because the penalty came at, uh, let's see if I got this right, uh, 17.35, and the goal was at 18.30, and the broken stick happened like, 10 seconds from the start of the power play. So it was like 40, 45 seconds from there. And they won a couple of, looked like many might clear the puck. McDavid won one battle. Hyman won one battle. Uh, Bush did a good job along the blue line, keeping it in and and uh, getting it to, you know, safe spots so that they could reset. And they, uh, it took them a few tries to get the shot they wanted. But then when they did, it was just this fabulous rotation across the ice where where Bouchard moved uh, moved across <clears throat> uh, left to right, dropped it for McDavid, who was flowing across uh, uh, the other way, and Nugent Hopkins slipped into the middle, and McDavid slipped it over to him, and Nugent played a perfect pass over to Drysaddle on the 
bottom of the right circle and Leon absolutely buried a basically perfect shot off the crossbar just in inside the short side post bar down uh, to finish the sequence but the replay like if you're watching the replay again on the highlights or whatever just watch the flow and the movement that's what sets Edmonton's power play apart is their ability to move and uh, what made them especially great last year was not only McDavid but Nugent Hopkins starting to to jump yeah. and dart into holes and, and you know where you're going to find Hyman and you have a pretty good idea where you might find Drysaddle although he's capable of doing a lot of different things out there but ideally he's going to be in the right circle letting fly with the executioner's shot as he did on this occasion and uh, it was uh, uh, one clean and true shot that uh, tied the game at three and at that point at least I felt that this game is stable again that you know that they're in good shape to win it in the third or at least you know get a point out of it and maybe win it later or you know at least get a point out of it whereas all the time that they're trailing I was very nervous that this was a game that the team playing the third game in four nights was somehow going to find a way to you know get out shot 40 to 20 and somehow win right and in the end, they got outshot 40 to 20, and they lost by one. And they, you know, they played a hard, competitive game in Minnesota. But uh, I thought that tying goal was huge. So late in the second, has to be a demoralizing loss for the Wild. We can only hope. <laughs> um, yeah, Bruce. When when that when a forward loses a stick on the PK, you, what you're what you're like the obviously the point shot is open then, right? But mm-hmm. you don't really want a point shot necessarily even if it's evan bouchard shooting it you mm-hmm. want to get that cross seam with if you're the yeah. orders that's what you're looking for and they did that cross seam uh with a play that we had talked about they hadn't been going to earlier this year putting it going low to mcdavid then high to nuge and then over to dry and um that's often open especially when mm-hmm. the guy doesn't have a stick there so fantastic play mm-hmm. in terms of movement bruce i think bouchard might be another guy who's going to start moving on that power play. He did move on that play. He, he, he moved into the middle, and that was started the yeah, whole. He it was is like now. one of these basketball plays where everybody goes in a different direction all at the same time. And anyway, he he's he's been doing more of that. He was involved in a goal the other night. That's much the same thing where his unexpected movement along the blue line kind of opened up the whole play, and good things happened from there. Well, when you have a defenseman like that with a shot like that, and he's moving around, it's got to mm-hmm. scare the hell out of other teams. I mean, <laughs> good, in a good way. All right. My second good thing is Connor McDavid. And he did not have a perfect game. He was kind of a culprit on both of those um, uh, five alarm shots right at the end of the game. And um, so so there's that. But he... he, he um, Came out strong. He looks completely healthy now. He just looks like he's so sharp. And his skating is sharp. His puck handling is sharp. Everything is sharp. He set up uh, both Hyman and and, um, Nugent Hopkins for early uh, grade A shots. But then came the goal. Just when when I thought the Oilers were most at risk of losing this game, they were down two to one. Two quick goals by the Wild. One more. After that great period. (sighs) Yeah. Great. They have a great first period. They, you know, they were unlucky not to be ahead by more than one goal. It was one nothing. It could have been two nothing easily. The Wild had nothing going on, and then bang bang, they get 
two goals on, on, on good shots, but we'll talk about the defensive breakdowns in a second. Um, and it just looked like, oh, we've seen this movie before. We saw it in the first 13 games of the season that got Jay Woodcroft fired. And I just thought it's going to happen again. And this is the difference. This is, an, this is the biggest difference between that and now. Connor McDavid's healthy now. And he will single-handedly take pull your team back into the game and give you a chance to win, it's, which which is what he did. He just rushes up the ice, deeks into the middle of the ice, um, deeks the goalie, and he's in doing so. He carries himself behind the net, but he's able to reach out and stretch and tuck the puck in as he's going behind the net. Just a, one of the great goals of his career. I mean, it's got maybe maybe in the top ten twenty. <laughs> Yeah, there's so many, eh? Like, there's just, it's endless. It's endless. But it's it might be in the, it's probably in the top 25, let's put it that way, which for him is pretty spectacular goal. Um, go ahead. I just so loved his patience on this goal. And Fleury, I mean, he's a big guy and he's aggressive and he came out and McDavid was able to hold it around him. And then Fleury did the big sweep behind him with the glove hand, trying yeah. to make the emergency. And, and McDavid still was able to, keep the puck away from that and then just stick it above the goal line and tuck it in before a defender could get over there. And it was just, uh, you know, what do you have in there? It seemed like eight or 10 touches as he went around flurry and then tucked her home, you know, and, and, uh, just a beautiful, uh, improvisation. Like that's not sort of, you don't necessarily practice scoring goals quite like that. Uh, where you take it all the way behind the goal line and then back in front, but uh, just beautifully executed. Bruce, what is your bad thing? Yeah, well, I'm going to go with that first goal in the second period. Like, the Oilers fought, like, they, they played not a, quite a perfect first period, but they really dominated it. 18 to 4, I think, were the shots, and grade A shots were. Very one-sided as well. Fleury had played really well to keep Minnesota in the game. And uh, you think, okay, this is, you know, done everything you can against a tired team and you just sort of take it from here. Well, that 20-minute 20 20 lead didn't last 20 seconds. And it was like right off the center ice face-off, Minnesota won the face off and just skated it head with it. Like they didn't pull it back. They just went right from the center line, right into the Oilers zone. Puck went right into the, into the, uh, uh, right into the corner. And there was, um, uh, a little bit of chaos. Like Evander Kane, he was back there, but he wasn't really playing left wing, which is sort of his position. And he kind of got drawn down into the F1 position, and Drysaddle was wound up being the guy who wound up trying to cover that lane, but I think he was a split second late because he wasn't quite expecting Kane to freelance on defense quite to that extent. And so he went out to the point, but he didn't have the good angle. The point man shoots, the puck is deflected in front, and uh, the rebound spits out, and the guy chunks it in with 15 seconds. It just seems so damned easy, that goal, to give up after working so hard to get that puny one-goal lead. That's, <laughs> oh, no, here we go. And then here we go further with goal number two that you're going to talk about. Yeah. Bruce, it just 
it looked easy because it was a lazy play. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, I thought, I thought Darnell Nurse was lazy at the side of the net, getting to the player um, who deflected that puck. I thought Drysaddle was a little lazy getting out to the point, and I thought Cece was a little lazy on his check of the mm-hmm. guy who's it was Boldy, I think, who scored it, and it was just he just let him get inside position, and um, it just was it just had that feeling mm-hmm. of like. You're not really desperately defending here. You're all kind of cruising. And cruising's okay, but cruising in the First NHL shift of a period. leads to goals against. It really does. And so that that really brought back I mean, mm-hmm. this this line, I, I can see why they're looking at changing up the lines maybe a little bit as well as the McDavid line is playing. Um Connor Brown is still struggling. He is still sure. struggling. Um, yes, and Madison and Leon Dreisaitl have so many great things about them as players, especially Dreisaitl. Mm-hmm. They, they are both just fantastic hockey players. But on defense, uh, you use the word freelance. I, th- <laughs> I think that's an apt word for both of them. They're freelancers in the defensive zone. And having two freelancers on the same line, I don't know if that's going to work. I, you know, I, I don't think it is going to work. And I think it's a part of the problem with that line. Um, anyway, they're going to have to, they're going to have to figure this out. Maybe they're, maybe they'll move Fogel up, um, to that line because Fogel's playing well and maybe they'll move Brown, uh, Connor Brown down. Then of course the third line is not so good. So maybe the other possible switch is Brown for Ryan. Leave the third line alone because they've been good and switch Derek Derek Ryan Ryan up with, uh, they will never do that. Maybe they will. Maybe this new coach will do it. Will finally someone? I mean, Jay Woodcroft recognized Ryan finally. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he he did at the start of his career, and then he did again in the playoffs last year when Ryan was such a force for the Oilers in two way hockey. And that's a weird thing to say, but it's true. Um, Derek Ryan can really play hockey because he's so smart. And uh, yeah, Derek Ryan on that line with Drysaddle and Kane mm-hmm. would be the move. I I second that, Bruce. Good suggestion. Um. Okay, the next bad thing was the next goal, which comes right after it, right away. And it's just, and it's again, <laughs> kind of this little bit of laziness, a little lack of sharpness as they rush up the ice and score a goal. So it's a rush goal, the dreaded rush goal against that we've seen so many times. And it starts in the offensive end, Nugent Hopkins a little late getting to the cross-seam pass that zips up the ice. McDavid's a little slow, you know, I, I wouldn't say lazy on either of them on the back check, Nuge, Nuge or McDavid, but just a little slow, just not desperate enough to get there and make the play. Because there's two guys back, right? And it's a two-on-two. So he's, yeah, well, they can cover it. And yeah. Ekholm, who had a really good game, gets beat at the blue line. And, and it was his one big mistake of the game. He was other otherwise pretty darn good, I thought. And um, he gets deked at the blue line. <laughs> But he recovers and he's kind of on his man. But then Evan Bouchard, the the reason he didn't did I give him a nine? I don't think I did. Um, mm-hmm. I was going to give him a nine in this game, <coughs> which is uh, yeah. What did I give him? Eight. So this is the reason he got bumped down from having an outstanding game in my mind to a great game. Merely a great game. Was this yeah. play? He just lost his man. It was a two on two. Echo and gets deep, and it, all Bouchard has to do is follow his guy over. Mm-hmm. But he's just on, he's on walkabout. He's no. wandering, as we say, in the red light zone, mm-hmm. not covering anyone, not covering a shooting or a passing lane. 
and bam, it's right in the net. Wide open, wild player because of Evan Bouchard. And I, I could just hear all the Evan Bouchard haters, and they're still there. They're, they're quieter. They're quieter. But they're still there, and I'm sure they had a big roar at that play, because I did. Yep. Yeah, and McDavid, as great as he is, you know, he he can't he was in good position in the neutral zone, and then he just didn't do anything. It was like a two on three and it became a two on two. Yeah, he could so, have shut it down. You're right. He, he could have, have Bobby Clark skated it, it in there and, and outmanned them and it just he just yeah. let it go. And to me that was Yeah, fair well, enough. Not good enough, you know. Puck wound up in the net. And that's how you lose games, right? That's how they lost games earlier this year. And, you know, at one point, I think they had had five grade A shots, Bruce, mm-hmm. the Wild, mm-hmm. and they had three goals. Yeah, well, grade three. A shots are supposed to go in 25% of the time, not yeah. 60% of the time. <laughs> so that wasn't good. Yeah. Not good yeah, at well, all. They, yeah, they had uh, uh, three five alarm shots in the second period, and they all went in. And they had three in the third period. None of them went in. So Stuart, Stuart Skinner did come up big when he needed to, and he got the post. Got some help with the yeah. post when he needed it as well. Uh, okay, what is your number? Yeah. Uh, well, our numbers are going to overlap a little bit, but I'm going to go with 10, which is the 10-game point streak of Evan Bouchard, wow. uh, who becomes the first Euler defenseman ever in the history of the franchise, not named Paul Coffey, to run a point streak that ran into the double digits. Paul Coffey, this is a kind of a Gretzkyan-style record that Coffey has. Coffey did it nine times, and nobody else had ever done it even once. Coffey's club record, which I still think is probably pretty safe, uh, is a 28-game point streak. I think, I think, That'll probably stand the test of time. But here's the funny thing, you know, the team is in its, what, 44th NHL season now, and Paul Coffey has just finally returned to the club. I mean, he only was here for seven years when he had those nine, 10-game point streaks, and he's back in the club for the first time in 37 years. He's coached for 11 games, and already one of his protégés has become the first guy not named him to get a 10-game point streak. So whatever he's saying and doing is rubbing off. So uh, that number 10, I mean, the big huge credit here is Paul Coffey, who did it nine times and has now coached the 10th time it's happened on the Arctics. So quite a, quite a, a remarkable uh, uh, timing. Coincidences of timing are not a coincidence, but it's a nice feat. Ten games in a row scoring point from the blue line is not easily done. He now has, uh, my number is 92. Bouchard now has 27 points in 24 games. That projects to a 92-point season for Bouchard. I predicted 90. I thought that was his ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's on track for 92. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's a long season. He can get injured. But on that power play, um, and at, at even strength, um, yeah, he's he's he has become a just a dynamite, dangerous attacker. Where does he rank in the NHL now? Are you are you just checking that for points for for D men? For D men, um, yeah, he's, he's in the top five. I know that, but uh, 
So the Oilers, Bruce, now as a team have 11 wins in 24 games. And for the first time, they have a positive goal differential. Yeah. 84 goals for 83 against. They're plus one. The two teams yeah. directly ahead of them, the standings, Calgary is minus 13. St. Louis is minus 10. Yeah. So um, it's there's still five points out of Nashville. Nashville has 28 points in 26 games. The Oilers have 24 points, excuse me, 23 points in 24 games. So they're creeping back to um, real 500, the Edmonton mm-hmm. Oilers. They don't have a lot of loser points, so... Yeah, well, they haven't lost any points at all. It's last while, you know. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, score. Here's the uh, defense leaders: Quinn Hughes, thirty-six points. Wow. Kale McCarr, thirty-four. Uh, Evan Bouchard, twenty-seven. Victor Hedman, twenty-seven. Philip Ronick, this is a big surprise, twenty-five. And then Noah Dobson, twenty-three. He's the guy that got picked. Uh, uh, right after Bouchard in in uh, the 2018 draft, he went 12th. Yeah. Bouch went 10th. He's a right shot too, and he's he he's a really really good junior hockey player. I really liked. If they had mm-hmm. taken Noah Dobson over Bouchard, I wouldn't have complained. I mean, I didn't yeah. know much about Bouchard, but I'd seen Dobson mm-hmm. play quite a bit, and yeah. what a fantastic hockey player he is. Yeah, he is. But so is Evan Bouchard. Yep. So. Hey, that's good. There's, there's some Team Canada uh, candidates there, eh, Bruce? Dobson, Bouchard, and Makar. Yeah, I'll so, say. Um, not bad. That's good to have that. Are they all right shot? Is Makar right shot? Uh, yes, he sure is. And yeah. Josh Morrissey is right there at 22 points, and he'll be in that mix as well, I'm almost certain. Yeah, and it looks like we might actually get some international hockey one of these days before Connor McDavid hits, you know, 35 idiots <laughs> but it bugs me that bugs me so much we are not likely to see Sidney crosby in his prime and Connor mcdavid in his prime on a team canada team and that really irks me that uh that hadn't happened what a failure of the hockey establishment mainly the nhl because they're the the ones that hold all the cards on this so yeah i just hate i hate that this has happened and it's i really hold it against gary bettman but uh We've all got our grievances in life. <laughs> yeah, international hockey has uh, has certainly uh, lost its shine, and I think probably they just don't make make enough money at it or something. Yeah, yeah there's no expansion money or something. Like yeah, that. there's not. Yeah, there's not enough international teams that they could Latvia, have. A, you know, a big big World Cup with you know 16 or 24 teams or something. You just can't do that in hockey, and it's. Uh, uh, it always seems to be an afterthought when they do it. And, you know, I mean, there's been one World Cup of hockey since 2004. There's been two since 1996. So it's it's kind of an American thing in a way. Um, you know, it's not basketball's not that huge internationally, if I'm not mistaken. It's still about the NBA and uh, the Americans just like their leagues. And they don't really care. I mean, it's just a shame. I have you. I don't know if you've seen the Beckham special, Bruce, on Netflix. Not yet, but it I intend is, to. I've is, heard it's great. It is incredible human drama, mm-hmm. and very funny. It's extremely mm-hmm. yeah. funny because Beckham and uh, Posh Spice are a funny couple. They're like a funny kind of uh, longtime married couple, and they really capture that that vibe of the longtime married couple. But the international, you just the international play how big it is in soccer it is just oh, this monster yeah. it looms over their lives and mm-hmm. 
that's the way hockey should be. The most memorable hockey games, I'm Oilers fan all my life. I have greatly enjoyed Edmonton's Cup wins. Bruce, the most enjoyable hockey moments of my life have been Team Canada winning in 72, 87, and 2010. And nothing comes close, even though Oilers Stanley Cup wins. Well, they're kind of close, but <laughs> I, I'll take those Olympic wins. I'll take those Olympic wins. So, yeah, and they weren't no, all Olympic. They, yeah, no, we can't. haven't had we haven't had the top players at the Olympics now for uh, ten years. Twenty fourteen was the last they time. Could have, ten could seasons ago, we got a World Cup yeah. together without a junior yeah. team in it. That would be good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah. <clears throat> all right. Well, Eddie, do you be... need to rant about something now that I've ranted about something? Are you are, are you good? Uh, yeah, I think I'm good. Okay. I think I'm good. Next game is Sunday afternoon against New Jersey. I think Wait. it's 2 p.m. our time. We are going to see some fantastic hockey players um, with the New Jersey Devils. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm I don't really. I don't really know much about Jack Hughes. I've watched him play. I've never really seen him um, shine. But that Luke Hughes, I saw him in the as a junior player. That guy is fantastic. He is such a great skater. And um, I don't know if I've like he's like he's like a six foot four Kale McCarr in terms of his skating. He's amazing. That's big, eh? Yeah, he's huge. I think he's six wow. four. He's just he's fantastic. So. Two o'clock um, is the game on on Sunday. All right. And the and the Hughes brothers went seventh, first, and fourth overall. Wow. Uh, with Quinn Hughes, who's racking up the points on defense this year, having gone uh, uh, being the lowest of those picks, and of course Jack went first overall. And Luke is yeah six two one eighty four, but he sure towers over his brothers, who are both smaller guys. Yeah. And he's got, as a 20-year-old NHL rookie, 24 games, 15 points. You know, so as a 20-year-old defenseman. Yeah. yeah. So he's for real as well. Mm-hmm. I wish they were Canadians, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, who else? Dougie Hamilton. So, yeah, he- of Hughes is on the top power play. I'm guessing he might be, but I don't know. Just go with Hamilton and a bunch of four. Yeah, well, Hamilton, I believe um, he's out right now. So. Oh, he's missed. Uh, yeah, he's missed four games. Yeah. Uh, he's another right shot defenseman, is he yes, not? Yes, he is. Big Canadian, talented, yep. right, right shot D-man. Mm-hmm. All right, Bruce. Well, let's um, let's leave it there. The game grades are up. Christmas is coming podcast is over thanks for talking tonight thanks for listening everyone and in the meantime and in between times this has been another edition of the cult of hockey podcast <laughs>